This is James Swanner coming to you live from Bogota, Colombia. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Yeah, welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. Um, it's my job here to bring you the most interesting guests from around the world, wherever they may be. And so we've had some interesting guests in different locations, and today is no exception. I've got uh, someone I think you're going to find fascinating, a fascinating journey. So if you're an indie app developer, a, a podcaster, an entrepreneur, a business owner, um, this is going to be a, a fascinating, interesting uh, episode. So um, let's get straight into it and introduce my guest today. It's James Swanick, and, and James has got this just amazing journey. I mean, uh, we just had a pre-chat, and uh, uh, literally, uh, I think you'll find it's quite an envious journey. Um, he's been a... Um, a journalist uh, he, for Sky Sports in London. Uh, he originally is from Australia, so has an Australian accent, and uh, uh, he is currently um, skyping us from uh, Colombia, Bogota. And uh, I think you spend some time down there whilst you're then um, flying around the world. Oh yeah, and the other thing is that uh, he has interviewed movie stars for a living and is uh, was the anchor of ESPN. So a load of stuff to talk about. James, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Paul, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, perhaps you could do a slightly better job than me, given that you have um, a, a long history of um, you know, being a journalist and being a, a presenter. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about your journey and uh, you know, how you got uh, into Sky Sports and ESPN and, and how you became a movie star? Perhaps you could just uh, focus on that. <laughs> well, I didn't actually become a, a movie star, but I became a movie star reporter. <laughs> but thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. Um, uh, as you well, all, not yet, not yet, but there's always, there's always, there's always time. time yeah. As your listeners can probably hear, I, I do have a, uh, an Australian accent. So I, I'm from Australia. I, I started as a, um, as a journalist on a Rupert Murdoch broadsheet newspaper from when I was about 17 years old until about 23. And then I moved over to London when I was 23, as most Australians do, and got a job for, for Sky Sports, uh, which is the British equivalent of, you know, American version of Fox Sports, if you like. And I really that seems really unfair, James. That really does seem because I I went to Australia and I um, you know got a job as a dishwasher. So <laughs> how comes you, you you can get such a, a fantastic job by you know just being a I guess I guess moving across to London? Yeah, well, you know what? In 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 mid nineteen ninety eight, uh, I I realised that the cricket World Cup and the rugby World Cup was going to take place in the same place and the same time, uh, in, which was in London in the following year. So I just set myself a goal. I said I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to move to London and I'm going to get a job for Sky Sports or for a newspaper covering the Cricket and Rugby World Cup so I can go to all the games for free. So I did quit my job. I flew over there and for the first two months I slept on a friend's sofa in Shepherd's Bush in West London and I lost all my money because the exchange rate was really bad at the time. So every time I spent a British pound, it would just like kill me. I'd spend like three Australian dollars. Um, but you know, after eight weeks of hustling and going out there and meeting as many people as I could, I managed to convince Sky Sports to make me the cricket and rugby editor of SkySports.com. And I managed to fulfill that dream of going to those world, both those World Cups that year, which was amazing. So um, that for me really was the first illustration 
in my life really that the power of positive thinking, you know, just putting a statement out to the universe and saying, this is what I'm going to do. And then actually going out there and implementing it and, and, and doing it. So that's why I worked at Sky Sports. I don't know whether you said you wanted to be a dishwasher in Australia, uh, Paul. Maybe you said, I want to be a dishwasher, and that's why you became a dishwasher. Well, you know, I, I said something about, I think, to my parents, uh, I wanted to go to the moon and uh, be an astronaut. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking about that as, as I was washing those dishes. But I did get to surf in, uh, near Brisbane, so uh, it was uh, the lifestyle I was after. Very nice, very nice. Um, so yeah, I did that for four years and then I decided that I wanted to live in America. And so I got a one way flight over to Los Angeles. I didn't know whether I was going to go left or right out of the airport. I ended up, uh, living in the Hermosa beach hostel for three months, uh, paying $15 a night, sleeping in a room in a bunk bed <laughs> with like six other sleeping backpackers. And I got a job as a laborer, um, uh, building houses in Bel Air next to a bunch of you know Mexicans who couldn't speak English, earning seventy-five dollars a day. So my very prestigious journalism career went downhill. Had gone down pretty quickly, but <laughs> that was what I had to do to really start my American American life. I figured out how to get a work visa. Uh, I got the work visa, and then I said, you know what? I'm in Hollywood. I live in Los Angeles. This is where the movie stars are. Why don't I just become a freelance journalist where I interview movie stars for a living and sell my stories all over the world. So that's what I did. I, I, I phoned up Fox, Warner Brothers, Sony, Paramount, Universal, all the movie studios, and I said, I want to interview the movie stars. How do I do it? And one of the studios called me back. It was Sony Pictures. It was a lovely publicist there who, who invited me into her office. I went in and met her, and she was kind enough to give me an hour and tell me how the whole thing worked. And two weeks later, she invited me to interview Jack Nicholson um, for the movie Anger Management, which was the, the Adam Sandler movie back in 2003. And so uh, two weeks after that, I was sitting in the penthouse suite of the Armitage Hotel in Beverly Hills interviewing Jack Nicholson. And... <laughs> and uh, and then that was how my that was how my Hollywood correspondent life life uh, was born. You know, a month after that, or not maybe about two months after that, I I, I was invited to in, to interview Arnold Schwarzenegger for Terminator Three, which ended up being the last movie that he did before he became the Californian governor. Then I got invited to interview um, Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston for the movie Along Came Polly, and it just went it just really just grew from there. Um, to the point where I was earning 150 grand a year, working two days a week, selling stories to you know dozens of newspapers and magazines all over the world, and I created a nice little, you know, two day a week lifestyle for myself, um, earning well into six figures. So that was you know that was a gr that, that took. I'm saying that as if it happened overnight. It took like a year, a year and a half to get to that point. Um, but yeah, that's how my sort of my U.S. entrepreneurial journey began, if you like, Paul. Well, you know, you're inspiring me and inspiring a lot of our listeners, just, just hearing the story, the fact that we can actually, uh, you know, have dreams and uh, they come to reality. I was just thinking, we had a guest recently uh, who uh, said to his mum, his name was uh, Gerard Sessler, and uh, he said to his mum at the age of four, I wanted to be a NASCAR driver. And, uh, and she obviously laughed about that. And in 1998, he did become a a really good NASCAR driver and uh, you know he did he kind of talked about dreams and you know this is the app guide podcast we love talking about dreams and putting it into context of uh, you know technology and apps and do you feel like uh, that uh, dreams are still alive and, and perhaps apps you know like Everest like uh, these apps where we put our dreams in do, do you feel like it's helping us achieve them um, you know with uh, social peer pressure to to achieve those dreams what, what do you think yeah no absolutely look I, I, we're talking about dreams and you know it's one thing to say I have a dream and this is going to happen it's another thing to actually implement a strategy and take action 
to achieve that dream. So in the context of, of apps, if you've got an idea for, for an app, don't just, you know, think that by watching that, uh, that movie, The Secret, that you just think, oh, one day I'm going to have an app and all of a sudden the app is going to appear. You have to actually put a strategy together. You, abs- you actually then have to act on that strategy. You actually have to take those steps. It's one thing to imagine it. It's another thing to actually see it through from, from, from start, start to finish. So any goal that I have set for myself, I just... I just say it over and over and over again in my head. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to do it. And then I just go and and I do it. So if any of your listeners are wanting to create an app or they're building an app, just, yes, absolutely, you have to believe that it's going to come to fruition, but just keep moving forward all the time because you are going to have setbacks. And I had setbacks along the way. I invested $200,000 in, in the Las Vegas property market in 2008, just before the, the US housing bubble burst. And I lost, I lost 200 grand, just like that. And that was a huge setback um, financially for me and, and, and mentally. But in my mind, I was like, you know what? I'm here. I'm living the American dream. I want to make it here. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep pushing and then keep moving forward. And that philosophy has put me in, in pretty good stead throughout my, my adult life. Yeah, it's, someone said to me uh, once, uh, being an entrepreneur, sometimes we, uh, it's like walking a tightrope and you're really worried about uh, falling off and then eventually you do fall off. You know, you lose uh, a lot of money. Um, you've lost more than me. But uh, when you do fall off that tightrope, uh, it's only two inches off the ground and you're still living, breathing and enjoying life. And yeah. uh, then you realize that it's easier to take risk. So, um, you know, were there any other parts of your life where you feel that you have taken risk and it's really paid off? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, well, ever since I was a little kid, I dreamed of being a television host. Um, in fact, on my website at jameswanick.com, there's a home video of me when I'm 13 years old back in Brisbane, Australia, pretending to be a, a TV news anchor. Um, with, I've got the high-pitched voice, you know, puberty hasn't set in yet. It's, it's quite funny. <laughs> and so, you know, 20 years later, uh, in 2010, a friend of mine said, hey, ESPN in America are looking for an international anchor. I think you'd be really good for it. What do you think? And I said, absolutely. And I did everything I could to get an audition at ESPN to the point of flying to Las Vegas to meet the ESPN producer, to meeting him at the Hard Rock Cafe on, on Las Vegas Boulevard there and trying to you know charm the pants off him and trying to convince him to give me a shot, to then flying over to Connecticut on my own dime and doing the audition and, and really pushing to try and um, you know become an anchor on, on this you know very iconic sports TV show called Sports Center on ESPN. And then um, after I did the audition, he said, great, I'm going to put you on the air in two weeks. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. And then for the next two weeks, I couldn't sleep at night. I was having a panic attack and the fear sort of overcame me. What if I fail? What if I succeed? You know, I had a fear of failure and a fear of success. The fear of failure was I've wanted this for 20 years. What happens if I blow it and I, and I don't, you know, I, I mess it up and they, everyone sees that I'm a fraud or I'm not as good as I, you know, have imagined that I would be for years. And the fear of success was... What happens if I actually am good at this? How's my life going to change? I'm going to have to move over to, to Bristol, Connecticut. I'm going to have to move everything. I'm going to, my friends are going to disown me or I'm going to have achieved such a great level of success that I'm going to have to leave some friends behind. I mean, it was ridiculous what's going, in, going on in your mind. But it was that fear of success and that fear of, of failure. But I just kept saying to myself over and over and over and over again, just keep moving forward, James. It's okay. Feel the fear. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Just keep moving forward. Yes, I feel the fear, but I'm just going to do it anyway. You know, that's 
just really interesting to hear you say about uh, one of the obstacles that we all face is, and one of the biggest obstacles is our own inner voice. And, uh, you know, the, the, almost like there's a, perhaps an inner voice in everybody listening that is saying, look, don't do this, don't do that. And uh, how do we control that? How do we change the story internally to then something perhaps more positive and uh, more optimistic? Yeah, well, uh, here's the thing. You can say to yourself, uh, man, I'm scared of this. Uh, man, this is not going to happen. What if this happens? Okay. If this happens, this disastrous thing is this is the consequences that are going to occur to me. Like, that's one way of doing, doing it, right? Of thinking. The other way of doing it is when I do this, this is going to happen. And it's going to be amazing and it's going to be great. And you only think of the positive. Now, it's, it's easier to say that than to actually do it, I understand. And I catch myself with negative thoughts a lot. But now I understand when those negative thoughts are coming in, I just, I say to myself, okay, this is a negative thought. I'm acknowledging that it's a negative thought. I'm acknowledging that it's, that it's a fearful thought, that it's one of insecurity. I, I can see it, I understand it, but you know what? Now I'm gonna replace that thought with, how am I going to do this? What do I need to do to ensure this happens? And you, when you start asking yourself those kind of great questions, then the answers start to be positive and, and the way to success just, just turns up. Um, and so you can call it a mantra if you like, whatever mantra works for you. The mantra for me has always been just keep moving forward, James. Just keep moving forward and also just do it. It's like the Nike slogan, just do it. That's, you know, that's one, if, if they got one thing right, it's that slogan, just do it. I was thinking of apps that really have changed our way of thinking. And uh, I'm a big fan at the moment of the app Lyft. Uh, I've mentioned it quite a few times on the show. And um, it's getting me to uh, write down, you know, what I'm grateful for every day. Uh, it's getting me up at five o'clock in the morning to, um, you know, just simply because of the gamification on the app. Uh, have you come across any apps that uh, try to change your behavior and, uh, you know, in a positive way? Yeah, there's an app called Calm, C-A-L-M. And it's just... It's, it's wonderful because when I get stressed out during the day or I've got like lots of work doing, I'll just go to that Calm app and I'll stick my earphones in and I can set it to like 5, 10, 15 or 20 minutes depending on what I want. And it just plays really, really relaxing music. Um, you can choose like the sound of rain. You can choose the sound of being in a meadow of flowers and the wind sort of, you know, blowing through the flowers. You can choose uh, the, the sound of the ocean crashing. Um, a, a stream, a waterfall, and you can also choose like this this woman sort of guiding you in the background saying, now, this is a five-minute break in your day. Just sit up straight, put your hands on your knees, and just relax, feel your body, feel your breath, and, and, and so forth. And it's very hypnotic. And um, so for me, in terms of increasing my productivity, in my day, when I can take a little five or ten minute ten minute break with that app, that really helps me refocus and 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 be supercharged for the rest of the day. I will say the only danger with it is that you get so into it after like five or ten minutes that you just want to like 
increase it to 20 minutes and 30 minutes. And there is a danger that you might just like not off and fall asleep, which is probably not, not a good look at in the office, you know? <laughs> uh, well, you know, as a guest on the App Guy podcast, we love giving away apps. And, and so you qualify for um, a promotional code, which will enable you to download my app called uh, Meditation. Uh, it's, it was built uh, in, uh, with a joint venture of a previous guest. And uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's a meditation app that, uh, that does that, that very thing. And, Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> uh, Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, a little surprise there for you. Um, I'm sure you're really excited about that. No, that's awesome. I'll have and, calm and I'll have meditation. I'll be <laughs> sleeping all afternoon now, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what what um, advice have you got for uh, perhaps, I mean, let's just imagine that somebody is, is in a job that they, they don't like. They're listening to this podcast whilst they're stuck in the traffic of LA or, or all the traffic jams around the world. Uh, what advice have you got for living a slightly location independent lifestyle? Because you, you do float between these different cities. Can you talk about your lifestyle and, and uh, you know, the attraction of this location independence? Yeah, sure. Well, I always, for the first 10 years of my working life, I always was an employee. So I would work for someone. I had a job. So of course, you cannot be location independent when that happens, um, unless, of course, your job requires you to travel a lot. Um, it was when I finally sort of moved to Los Angeles in 2003 and, and started that Hollywood correspondent business as a freelancer, did I start to, to understand the power of being being my own boss and having, being able to make my own, my own hours. So, and since then, I just haven't really been able to turn back. Now, even when I was a sports center anchor on ESPN, I only did it for four months of the year. They offered me a job um, on more than, more than one occasion and I turned it down, even though it was very, a very handsome salary because I didn't want to work in one place. I just always wanted to be able to travel. So my life, I guess, for the last 10 years has been living between Los Angeles, New York, uh, Bogota, Colombia, Buenos Aires, Argentina. I lived in Austin for a while. And so the real benefit of when you work for yourself and, and, and you sort of stay lean and you have low overhead and, and you can generate your own income means you can wake up any morning you want and just say, you know what, I'm going to go and live in wherever. I'm going to go to London for a month and just work from London. I'm going to go to Paris. I'm going to go to Madrid. Okay, and now I'm going to go down to South America and I'm going to work out of Buenos Aires. As long as you have a Wi-Fi connection and a laptop computer and you're generating money, of course, from, your, from, from an online business or whatever business you have, um, then, you know, it's a very sexy kind of lifestyle. You can move around. Now, I would stress, Paul, like I don't, I don't want to just like be saying, wow, my life is so amazing. Isn't this incredible? I get to live in all these great places. There are tough times, you know, there are tough times. A lot of like I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a wife. And a lot of that is because I travel around a lot. And so it's hard to create like a, a, a long relationship because no, most women don't really travel around. They want to stay and they want to nest in one place. So that's, you know, one sort of downside to it is that when you're always moving around, it's hard to develop long, sustainable relationships. Um, the other thing is, is that sometimes you get a little bit stressed out with having too much choice. It's like, wow, where am I going to go today? And people might, people who are in a job and don't travel might go, wow, poor you, that must really suck. But I can tell you, a lot of times it does get very stressful when you go, where should I go? What should I do? I mean, it sounds preposterous, but when you have so much choice and you create a lifestyle for yourself where you have so much choice, the decision-making process becomes quite stressful. 
um, at times, not all the time, but at times. So I just wanted to make sure that I made that point very clear because it's one thing for you and I to talk and you to say, wow, James has got this amazing lifestyle, which it is, but there are downsides to it. And I think all entrepreneurs who are debating whether to have a lifestyle-friendly business and to travel and or to like stay in one, one place in a, in a job in one location should, should know that, should know the pros and the cons. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because there's um, podcasts that I listen to and get inspired by. And it's very rare that uh, the topic of, uh, you know, the negatives of location independence, you know, the ty- the, the things that you mentioned, uh, relationship building. Uh, obviously, I've got two kids, so it's a little bit more challenging. Uh, I yeah. try and do it. I try and do it to a limited degree. So uh, we... My family and I, we uh, go to live in Dubai. Uh, we've done a ski season in uh, the French Alps. And uh, we've been able to do that. But now the kids have reached school age. It's becoming a little bit more challenging. So uh, yes. I've just said yeah. to my wife, look, forget school. Uh, they don't need school. They can learn <laughs> online, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. with an iPad. But uh, Well, well but, you know what? You're, like, I, mean, I don't know whether you're being serious or joking, but that 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 is very true. I know a lot of people, very successful, very happy families who and their kids don't go to school in the traditional sense that they're homeschooled and uh, I know some some men who are in their late 30s and 40s who are all homeschooled and and they're they're wildly successful people very happy very content they didn't go through the traditional education system so I mean I I think it's great that we talk about these kind of things because too many of us think that you know lives have to go along by a certain script based on what society says but there are so many different ways to live your life and, and what works for one person doesn't work for another one. And everything's, in my opinion, everything, whatever, if anything is working for you, then that is right. That's the correct way to do it. And also I was just going to pick up on uh, the, um, the fact that you have so much choice and that can be quite stressful. I mean, just in relation yeah. to apps, I remember uh, listening to an interview with the founder of Airbnb and uh, he was talking about uh, that we need in our lives um, more curation. You know, we, we want these apps to curate our lives. You know, we want the apps to to know the types of people we are and to then curate those uh, things around us. So that's why, you know, Airbnb has been hugely successful because it appeals to a certain, you know, type of person. And uh, I just wondered if you had any views on, like, curating people's lives uh, through technology. Well, you know, I go back and forth with technology. I mean, I, I'm 38 years old and I consider myself old school when it comes to technology. Um, so as, as good as technology is for me and it helps me, it also is a pain in my ass sometimes, Paul, because I find my, I mean, I read somewhere that the, that the, the average number of times that a human being touches their, their cell phone in a day is something astronomical, like 300 times a day. And it doesn't seem real, but like, geez, just even talking to you on, the, uh, on this call just now, I've, I've touched my phone at least five times. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And so if you have those notification settings up on your phone, you've got Facebook ding, you've got WhatsApp ding, you've got um, uh, LinkedIn, you've got an email, you've got a little, sh- a little flashing light if your emails come in. Now, I know you can turn it off, but, but these are all just grabbing your attention every single moment of, of, of every single day. And while it's great that I'm in touch with everyone and I can react in real time, I kind of sometimes long for the days in the early 90s when I was just starting out in journalism where I didn't have that, where I didn't have a mobile phone. And 
you know, things uh, that uh, things just got done with intense focus. There weren't the, all of those distractions. So I'm not sure if that answers answers your question, but I kind of go back and forth between loving technology and also being quite um, resistant to it. Yeah, well, you, th- you know, if you think about it as app developers, we're trying to get your attention and that, that's all we're trying to do. And we're obviously succeeding in that through push notifications and through just yeah. creating apps. So I remember an episode where we spoke to um, uh, Greg Fadika, who's an expert on millennials, and, and he was saying, yeah, you just create these wildly useful apps and uh, you'll get a, a good following. And, and of course, like all these apps that you just mentioned, WhatsApp and Facebook and Twitter, they're just wildly useful for communicating and they're very hard to put down. Um, but I, I agree that sometimes they can get in the way. And I really can't remember picking my phone up 300 times when it was one of those old-fashioned feature phones. Um, no, you you no. start to take calls on them, which is a little bit strange. But <laughs> yeah, and people would look at you funny if, if your phone did ring, and you'd go, "Oh, so, look at that rude person yeah. with a cell phone, <laughs> with a mobile phone. That is outrageous." Yeah, there was definitely more social etiquette, wasn't there? As, as mobile phones were sort of people introduced, people never broke never broke engagements. They said, "I'd be there at Friday night at seven thirty. People would be there at Friday night at seven thirty. It wasn't like, "Oh, I can't make it all of a sudden," or "I'll be there at eight thirty. It was none of that stuff. It was like you said where you're going to be at what time and you and you turned up and you held that commitment although on, so on the reverse there of has that, been yeah, a there di- is a reverse to that actually james because uh now with these features like find a friend you can't lie anymore so i used to tell these little white lies you know i'm just five minutes away or you got stuck in traffic and they can just see exactly where you are through find a friend now so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's true it's crazy so what's go- crazy world james what's going on in your life right now what are you getting really excited about and you're getting involved with yeah, I've just I've just launched this great new membership site called Alpha Male Club, where I teach men how to be the best men they can be. Um, so I have a membership site at alphamaleclub.com, uh, and for twenty dollars a month, you can get access to about a hundred interviews that I have done with the world's leading experts in terms of women and sex, money and wealth. Uh, health and fitness, happiness and fulfillment and relationships and networking. So I've interviewed over the course of a year um, New York Times bestselling authors. I interviewed Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, I interviewed uh, Mark Wahlberg. I interviewed Hugh Hefner. Uh, I interviewed um, sexologists, uh, an erectile dysfunction doctor, a UFC fighter, a whole lot of really interesting people to teach guys how to, to make more money, how to get more girls if they're single, if they're in a relationship, how to uh, improve the relationship with their wife or their girlfriend, um, and how to you know, get fit and healthy. Because most guys, especially in America, are just a little bit overweight. In some cases, in many cases, a lot overweight. So we, you know, I interviewed um, a celebrity trainer who's the personal trainer of Bruce Willis, Matthew McConaughey, Sylvester Stallone, and he's given some tips on how to get fit. And healthy, and then I've just released a podcast version of Alpha Male Club called the Alpha Male Club Podcast, and uh, it's been going great guns. We got up to number two in the iTunes charts in health after just 14 days, and um, you know, lots of great listeners, lots of great feedback. And you can, you know, you could, if you've got an iPhone, you can get that on iTunes, and if you've got an Android, go to Stitcher, Stitcher.com, and you can download the Alpha Male Club podcast that way. Well, first of all, congratulations with all that, and uh, I was thinking. 
that uh, almost connecting the dots there, you know, based on all your history that you were telling us, uh, you started off uh, in LA interviewing uh, movie stars and all that experience has actually gone and helped you then create this really wildly successful uh, product, uh, Alpha Male Club, uh, which you wouldn't have been able to do, I guess, without that experience. So it just shows that whatever we do in life, uh, ultimately then it does go on to lead to to bigger and better things and uh, that's just an interesting story that yeah, you've you've been able to take those movie interview as movie interviews that yeah. you've been doing and then just put them into a, a an information product. Yeah, you know, Steve Jobs just before he died died, you might have remembered that 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 speech he gave to the university. You can find this speech on on YouTube, and Steve Jobs called it, I think, connecting the dots. I think was the name of the speech, and it, it, the whole thing was about how when he met people, he didn't realize the significance. Um, of how important they would be in the development of Apple and in his life until many years later. And I guess with my life, it's the, I feel the same. It's connecting the dots. You know, when I was a very young journalist, I didn't know that 20 years later, I'd be using those skills to help me host a television show or to then launch a podcast called Alpha Male Club um, and just to take it to a much bigger and grander audience. So in all of our lives and all of your listeners' lives, just, you know, it takes some years. It takes a little while before you can connect the dots. It's not apparent right there in the moment, but with the benefit of hindsight and you know, and, and years in the game, you can look back and go, "Oh, okay, now I can connect the dots. I realize why that was supposed to happen because that led to this, and I know why that was supposed to happen because it led to this, and so forth." So, before we say goodbye, the one thing we like to try to uh, achieve is an app idea that um, perhaps is new and the way we do this is we just uh, ask guests to think about uh, particular pain points that you're suffering from right now uh, either in your business or uh, you know travel or something you can think about that's a real pain and frustration for you and then we could explore how a potential app could solve that pain point. Yeah, I got a couple things. Um, I record all these interviews and I put them onto, and I record them via Zoom.us or via call recorder on Skype, and then they stick, on, they go, they're saved to my computer. I am not a technical person, okay? I'm a, I'm, I'm shocking at it. I wish there was something where I could just do the interview, it saves to my computer, and then somehow miraculously it goes automatically to my sound editor and to my video editor because I have to like muck around going into folders, finding it, uploading it to Dropbox, sending it as a link. Now, a lot of your listeners are going, this guy's crazy. That is so simple. But for me, it's a, it's just an extra step that I don't want to take. You know, it, it, it might only be a 10 minute task for me to upload the file into a Dropbox folder and send it off to someone, but it's still 10 minutes that I don't want to spend. So if there was some way that I could do an interview and record it and then it just miraculously went to the three people that I want it to go to, I would be th- I would be absolutely thrilled thrilled with that. That would make me eternally happy. Right, well, that, that's a very good idea. And I'm thinking back to an episode we had with Dan Norris, who uh, introduced me to um, a guy who's doing a service where it's a done-for-you podcasting editing and uh, simply you just uh, you record it and everything gets miraculously edited. Uh, the ums and the ahs get taken out. And uh, the music's put in and uh, then it comes back to you. Um, yeah, it's a paid for service, but uh, that's um, uh, the kind of thing. What's it called, what's it called, what's it called Paul? Um, uh, I think if you were to, uh, it's, it's a guy called Ben Kruger, a uh, Ben Kruger. And um, I think it's okay. authority, uh, so something authority. If you search Ben okay. Kruger, check it out. Check yeah, it out. search Ben Kruger authority and uh, you'll find that. Um, so that, that, you had one more idea. 
So there was another, there's another idea that, uh, that I was long frustrated by, or there was an issue that I was long frustrated by, and I know that a company has already come, come up with it and they're going to release it. And that is I, I have like six or seven credit cards and debit cards, and it's so annoying to carry that around. And so there is a company, and I can't remember for the name of, name of me, uh, life of me what it's called, but they're coming out later this year, and it's one card that keeps, that acts as like six or seven cards. Um, do you know what I'm talking about, yes. Paul? Have you seen these yeah, things? Yeah, I do. Yeah, the, um, it amalgamates all the different credit cards into one. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if it uses your phone or if it uses a card itself. But uh, yeah, I think that's... Uh, I'll, um, I'll tell you what, I'll do some research and put it onto the show notes. So anyone listening goes to onemob.com and just hit the podcast with uh, James Swanick and uh, there'll be the show note on the show notes and uh, the, the thing that we're talking about. But yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Yeah, and um, so I'm looking forward to that. I think it's it's not only coin. Oh, I can't remember what the name of it is. I'm going to butcher it. So, <laughs> right. uh, you know what? I, I found it. It's just called Coin. That's it. Coin. C O I N. Coin. So if you go to onlycoin.com, you can find it. And so that's going to be a huge thing for me in my life because I I carry a wallet and I have business cards and personal cards and checking cards and 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 it's just a big hassle um so this puts all those credit card details into one card that's all you got to carry around and then you you you're, you can change w- which card you, you spend depending on you know the, where you are and the circumstances so yeah check that out onlycoin.com great that's a beautiful um app recommendation well this has been a lot of fun i mean this is uh, clearly you could be a guest on our show every every day i mean there's uh, so much to talk about but uh, perhaps we should let you get back to your uh, day job and uh, uh, I don't know what what were you planning to do this afternoon. Something exotic. Uh, I'm doing another interview in about two hours' time, and then I have to plan for a webinar that I'm doing tomorrow, and then I have to plan for a couple other podcast interviews that I'm I'm doing tomorrow. I'm interviewing a couple more people for Alpha Male Club. So, if your listeners, if you want to check out the Alpha Male Club podcast, uh, you can find it in iTunes. And if you want to become a member of Alpha Male Club, just go to alphamaleclub.com, and you can always email me at james at alphamaleclub.com as well, and I'll make sure I get back to you. Thanks so much for having me on your show, Paul. I really appreciate James, it. James, it's been a, a real uh, wonderful experience and uh, thanks for joining us on the app guy podcast i hope to get another chance to chat to you bye for now bye for now paul take care thank you for listening to this podcast stay tuned for the next episode if you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone then please send an email to info at one the app guy podcast 